are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. All right, here we go. Back with you off and running. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team. We covered a lot of ground there in that first hour. And uh, we'll try to catch back up here in hour number two. Coming up, a conversation with my former roommate, good friend Paul Mooney who's offensive lineman at State, late 90s. He wore those uniforms. Uh, we were the same age. He wore those in- uniforms uh, together in the late 90s. But he also played on the offensive line where maybe he can give us some insight on uh, the transition from pass set on an island out in the air raid, big wide splits and that sort of thing, to offensive line transitioning to play um, tighter splits, more run game, more run blocking, zone scheme zone, you know, read stuff in the backfield, but zone blocking and gap scheme runs and those kinds of stuff. And so maybe he can speak to some of that. Um, also, backtracking a little bit, uh, we, we talked, uh, or I had some comments for you from Rick Cleveland, including a really a really interesting story he told about an interaction with uh, Bear Bryant. I may even give you a taste of that before we jump into the interview. But somebody said that they would love to be able to ask Rick who was a better college quarterback. Reggie Collier at Southern Miss or John Bond at Mississippi State. And uh, I said, you know, hard to compare. I didn't know, but, yeah, they're pretty close to the same age, if not the same age. Mark said they played against each other three different times. Um, And um, one of those kind of classic eras of classic players at really both schools. Danny commented on Facebook, said states wearing the interlocking MSU logo against Kentucky. Can they decide to return it permanently? Well, I kind of doubt it. I don't know for sure, but I actually kind of doubt it. Kind of doubt it. See, my thing on that is, uh, Danny, the reason I say kind of doubt it, my understanding is that in bringing that logo out, for a throwback uniform this year. It's because it's 25 years since the 98 season. So it's like a 25th anniversary of the 98 season in which State won the Western Division and played in the championship game. The only time they've done it in school history. 25 years of that. So you're going to celebrate it. You pick a game. It's going to be a home game, obviously, against Kentucky. And you're going to wear them then. And maybe you have the option to wear them later in the year, I guess, if they wanted to. But but what I'm saying is, it's my understanding that apparel being sold with that on it is only with official distributors of Mississippi State Apparel, wherever those are, they're only allowed to sell that for a one-year period of time from August the 15th of this year through August the 15th of next year, but then, then it's gone. Um, so in terms of bringing them back permanently, there would have to be, you know, some changes made to that agreement and, and a real sure enough, like groundswell of just, I don't know, 
or maybe even something crazy like you know have an unbelievably uh good year and like players won i don't know what it would take i, I really don't know and in truth as partial as i am to those to that particular interlocking and yes we wore it in the late 90s the teams that i was able to be fortunate enough to be on but i still don't know that just if i if i try my to be as unbiased about it as i can be i still don't know that i me personally that i don't like the state script even a little better <laughs> i know that sounds like blasphemy but the state script is such a cool thing to me and it's new and so I don't know. Let's see it play out. But to answer your question, Danny, I, as it stands right now, it didn't look or sound or seem like they put themselves in a position to just snap their fingers and make it a permanent thing. Does that make sense at all? I hope it does. I hope it does. We tried to make some sense yesterday um, of this conversation, this chatter going on out here. Well, State's offensive line is really going to struggle making a change from the air raid to – Others going, yeah, but maybe not. You know, they're going from pass block to run block a little more and tighter splits, a bunch of old linemen. None of the ones that you had really were really recruited all that much to be an air raid type of lineman anyway. They just transitioned to it. Maybe it's easier to transition back. And maybe the truth's somewhere in the middle. While well, we tried to make sense of it, we talked to Jeff Collins. He's a coach. But what about a guy who played, played the position, and has coached it some too? Well, he's on the radio right now, on your radio on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact. It means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else right here at home at Divinity. He's my former teammate and roommate and good friend, Paul Mooney, on your radio right now, offensive lineman, Mississippi State, late 90s. Paul, happy Friday to you, man. Y'all got a game tonight? Yes, uh, yes, we do. Happy Friday to you as well. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking at it here. It's uh, who's St. Joe got? It's week two or week Delta one? Street. Say it again. Uh, well, so, you know, everybody's starting at different times. It's right. Week one for us, either way we look at it. So okay. We have Delta Delta Streets uh, tonight okay. at home. Uh, looking forward to getting the season kicked off and going. Yeah, that's Madison St. Joe. Uh, Paul coaching there. Okay, so here, help me out. You you played on the offensive front, played multiple positions when you were at State, late 90s. We'll get to the uniforms in a minute. But guard, center, I, I, did you ever spend any time at tackle? I didn't remember you spending time at tackle. I, I was just a little bit my true freshman year. Okay. And uh, they learned that I didn't stay out there, so they had to put me. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so – my question is, just we'll, we'll kind of start wide and then work our way down to some of it. But you know, from your perspective on the offensive line, in this issue, Paul, of how tough is it going to be for State's offensive linemen to transition from last year's air raid and wide splits and pass pro to this offense that's going to run it more, tighter splits, more run game, and more zone gap scheme? What's your take on that difficulty? Well, I watched a little bit of last year's Texas A&M game where we ran it some, or State ran it some with some success. Um, and looking at it, it is uh, basically a zone, you know, inside zone scheme is what they were running. Yeah. The problem is 
I'm willing to bet they didn't spend a whole lot of time on run blocking. It was a lot of blitz pickup, one-on-one, pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's just going to be they're just going to spend a lot more time, um, and especially when they start running counters and traps. And now you have linemen instead of kicking back and pass protection, they're pulling yeah. um, you know, to kick out an end or get to the second level on the linebacker. Uh, they're going to have to spend more time on it, but, I mean, and looking at the roster, there's a lot of blitz linemen, uh, Texas, Mississippi, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee. I can promise you a lot of these southern high schools don't run the air raid. So these guys have seen, you know, triple option run blocks, and they've seen inside zone. They've seen outside zone. So this didn't just – I think it's going to be an easier change for linemen than it will be maybe for some of the skill guys. How about that? See, and Paul, what you're saying, what you said right there, is what I've heard other people argue. And we've even had people, listeners here on the show, that would text in and say, "Listen, it's it's not as big a leap to take a guy from road grader run game guy to make him an air raid out in space on an island kick slide pass blocker. Like the transition to the air raid, they have said from run block was tougher than the inverse. Like it's they're they're arguing it's a less of a transition to come back into a tighter split and start pulling and stepping and comboing and blocking people going forward. Is, is that yeah, kind of what you're saying? I, yeah. And you look at, uh, I know especially back in the old Air Raid Texas Tech, man, their splits were so wide mm. um, that you were by yourself every snap. Yeah. Um, you start you know, going into run blocking. Like you said, you're closing your splits down to where you have help a lot on one side or the other because you're double-teaming this defensive tackle to that linebacker. You know, we're responsible, you know, me and the guard are responsible for him. It's a real wide, you're kind of by yourself. Mm-hmm. Out on an island. Well, and that's why, you know, from a personnel standpoint, Paul, if you look at State's offensive line the last three years when they were in the air raid under Mike Leach, basically everybody on the offensive line except the center was either a tackle or a former tackle or had played tackle, right? Because even the guards in the pass pro were by themselves. They didn't have any help. So it's like everybody's right. a tackle except the center. But right. what about this? Help me with this. When you look at the personnel like Nick Jones – like LaSoya, those guys really body type and talent level, they're really made to be a more prototypical inside lineman than a tackle anyway, right? Right. I mean, you've got on the roster, I think, two, six, eight guys, maybe a couple of six, seven guys, very few, you know, six, six, everybody else is six, five, six, four, six, three, which, you know, lends itself better to be inside. Mm-hmm. If you're a big, tall, long, long reach tackle. So, you know, there's a – looking at the roster, I mean, it's a good mix of what – just looking at size and body type, tackles, guards, and centers. I mean, it's not all prototypical six, seven, six, eight uh, lean tackles. Sure. You, you've got a good mix already on the roster. Yeah. Paul Mooney, former Mississippi State offensive lineman, late 90s, played inside, guard center, on your radio right now, coaches offensive line, talking about that transition paul when you were in school and that's been a long time ago i know offense everything was different then but 
you know, at one point we had a transition late in your career from, you know, one offensive coordinator in a certain style to then another one when, when Sparky Woods came in for our senior year in 99. What was that like to go from, like, different coordinator, different calls on the offensive line? Was it a big transition? The terminology is more to get used to. Because if you're in a system for uh, a spring and an entire season, you know, when, when you were in the huddle and you would call to play, the linemen are only listening for one or two things, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And we know, okay, well, that's, you know, I need to block back, that guard's pull it. You know, I know that. Well, a new coordinator comes in, same play, but it's called completely different. So now, as a quarterback calls it, you have to listen to everything. And then you have to, you know, work it out in your head as to, you know, but after a good spring, after, you know, training camp, these guys are probably, you know, what most linemen do. We're listening for the snap count and just one or two things mm-hmm. that tell us specifically what to do. Yeah, sure. The, the rest of it, we, I mean, we don't care what the routes are or any of the motion is. We just need to know snap count and we need to know what we're doing. Um, and once, you know, there's only so many ways you can run a football, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So once you get got that kind of figured out, uh, you, you just kind of, it's just a second language. Sure. All right, and here's a novice question for you also. So set me straight on this. There might be the impression out there from some people that, okay, if in the previous system your lineman had really wide splits, that meaning they were far away from each other when they lined up. Even when they did run the ball, there was less of a risk of them stepping on each other, and it's a little more clear who to block. But if you tighten it up, tight splits, one, they're going to step on each other more unless they really get it worked in sync. And, and two, it may be hard for them, harder for them pre-snap to recognize who to block on a bigger play. What's your response to it those can, thoughts? It can be that, especially if you've got a uh, a defense coordinator who likes to walk up linebackers or every once in a while a safety, you know, just to give you a different look. Or they shift from a three-front to a four-front, you know, in the middle of a quarterback's cadence. All that being said, your your rules are the same typically for linemen. You know, if it's zone right, you know, I've got, you know, this step, this, you know, you know, it doesn't change whether I have someone in front of me or not. Yeah. Um, and the fact, I mean, Coach Friend, gosh, he's been, I mean, everywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you got a, a heck of an offensive line coach that I can promise you, they'll be prepared mentally. Mm. Um, it's just going to be up to them to, to to perform physically. Yeah, physically and stay healthy. But that's the other thing too is they're all old guys. Paul, have you looked at that? Yeah. I mean, the entire like if you look at their front five, but really their first seven or eight, with the exception of really one sophomore, they're all seniors and and multiple grad seniors because of. And which means really old guys because of COVID year. And, again, I would think that you get a group that's got that many old guys in it, it's going to be easier for them to make a transition. Don't you think? Yeah. and, 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 and Yeah, because the spread is so unique. If you have a grad transfer, chances are he probably was not running the true spread where he was. Yeah. So so the, you talking about the air raid? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We get, you know, most of these guys did not grow up or have played in the air race. Sure. They had right. to adjust to it when Coach Leach showed up. Right. Okay. So now they're, for lack of a better term, kind of going back to what they know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, 
you're there's only so many ways uh, to run a ball. You can dress it up with motions and formations, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, we're going to run the tailback in the two hole. There's only so many ways you can block for that, <laughs> and I'm willing to bet that most of these guys have have done it time and time again. And plus, you know, when it's individual periods at practice, you know, lineman drills are lineman drills. You know, you, yeah. you know, I, I promise you, they were still driving a sled when you know. Uh, Coach Leach was still there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, yeah. There's only so many ways to do it. Yeah. So, Paul Mooney. I don't your think radio. it should be that big of an issue. Paul Mooney on your radio right now. Yesterday, when Jeff Collins, a former coach, was on, he touched on that. Like, he didn't talk so much about <clears throat> scheme or footwork as much as he did just a mentality switch. So, for you, you know, being up there on a the line of scrimmage, you think about the last three years in the air raid. Offensive linemen are primarily most of the time backing up and catching pass rushers. Whereas now, about at least about half the time, you're going to go forward and go find somebody and get a chance to hit them. Is that just from your perspective? And there's, I guess, really no right and wrong answers, but your opinion is it more fun to play football as a lineman when you get to go forward and hit people in a run game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh- <clears throat> None of these guys got to this level because they're soft or timid. That mm-hmm. you know, right? I'm willing to, you don't stand around the pile. Any of these guys because they <laughs> will clear you out. Yeah, right. Um, it is harder work run blocking. I mean, like you said, pass blocking you're catching. Yeah. Um, run blocking you're pushing. Yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> but you know, I, this the group you got. They're they're old guys. They've been there, done that. I, I just. You know, I, I don't see that being a huge, huge issue. Um, you know, looking at uh, Southeast Louisiana last year, they typically ran a four-man front, um, so you really only get you know one double team, you know, from the center on a lot of zone runs. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, they're not they're not huge guys, um, so they should be able to get some push, and, and you know that'll be good, you know, to to build them up as they uh, develop into the new system. Yeah, good stuff. Paul, you were on those teams that stayed in the late 90s that wore that, the Nike uniforms that had the interlocking logo that they're breaking out this week that's going to be a throwback. And one of our teammates, Kevin Sluter, put it on Twitter. He said, you know you're old when they make your uniforms a throwback. But uh, (laughs) to see the logo again and realize that they're going to run out there and play in it, the one you played in, how would you feel as a former player? I I, I thought it was great. I was never a big fan of the Banner M. Um, and, and you and I both grew up. State had some version of the interlocking MSU, mm. uh, be it the thick letters uh, early on, like a MSJ. But and that's just what I knew State as. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I was kind of sad to see it go uh, after the Cheryl area. So I mean, we're all much of the former players I thought to my family. You know, we're all happy to see the Elba go come back. Yeah, same here. Paul, good to talk to you. I, it's my fault I don't call you and do this enough, but maybe as we kind of get into watching some games and stuff this fall, I'll call you some more and get you on the radio and break it down on the line of scrimmage. I really appreciate it, man. Good to talk to you. Absolutely good to talk to you as well. Yep, thanks. That's Paul Mooney. Big Mooney, 74 in your program, number one in your heart. He's Paul is 6'8". 
playing on the offensive line, center guard, at six foot eight, except like his legs weren't very long. Now figure that out. <laughs> like from the waist up, he's taller than any human being has ever lived. <laughs> he's like all upper body. A really good player, snapper on special teams. He could really do a lot. He's a good athlete. He could throw, snap, kick, run, and you didn't have bad snaps with Paul at center. And he could slide over and play guard too. Great guy, great teammate. You know, and look, it. Some people, and certainly a you know a large portion of fans, might see that as minutia. It just seems to me that. When you talk about question marks for this Mississippi State team going into this year, everybody starts with new coach and coaching staff and first-year head coach, and rightfully so. But people bring up other question marks. Well, one that has been brought up recently is this incessant conversation about offensive linemen transferring from the air raid and how hard that's going to be. And, no, it is a transition. You do have to go do something new. It is going to be a little different. Sure, but to me, to me anyway, to make it out as you're going to get into the first game and there's going to be some deer in the headlights look that, oh, we just, we've been playing in the air raid for the last three years. We just don't know how to play football anymore. We just not, we just can't do it. I, I just don't think that's anywhere near reality. And a lot of times, good skilled people can sort of hide an issue here or there, things you're working through. And State's got a great running back room. I mean, a really good running back room and a very veteran quarterback who's going to call things at the line of scrimmage. So, I don't – if it is a question mark, we may see that it isn't one for long. All right. Rolling along with you. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. From the amazing hits. That one is huge. To all the amazing plays. Matt Wyatt has got it all for you. Just listen to that. All right. We're going to sprint to the finish, man. I mean, we are going to sprint to the finish. we got about a half hour left with uh, us together. Me, you, all of us, Beaver, the whole gang. I got uh, enough coffee, hot coffee in the thermos from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi to last me for the next 30 minutes. So here we go. A couple of things. Unnamed texter hit me up on the country-pleasing text line. Matt, who do you think is going to start on the offensive line for the Bulldogs? He's a Hale State alum. Well, good to see you there. Send us a name. We'll plug you in there permanently. Uh, let me just throw some names at you here. Because just a second ago, just a minute ago, I had the uh, roster pulled up. And I was looking at it mainly to look kind of across the position groups and just see, you know, who who was how old. And, again, if you keep all of them healthy throughout the year, and let's be honest, offensive line is a – position where these guys get banged up and they get hurt and they're playing hurt and they have to come out you know and like walk it off and try to get back in for a few plays and so when you say healthy with an offensive line it's really a relatively healthy all right thanks jim i'll plug you in there but here's what you got you got cole smith at at your at center 
Okay, grad senior. You got Cam Jones at one of the starting spots, whether it's a tackle or a guard. Grad senior. Like as old as you can get, especially like ever because of COVID, right? You're probably going to have, well, you're going to have Nick Jones at one of those spots. Senior. You're going to have Dollar Bill Johnson probably at a tackle, just depending on where they come out of camp. There's four guys out of five. Grad senior. Okay, so I got four guys that I am confident are starters if they are healthy. Three of the four are grad seniors, and the other one's a senior. Okay, and then who else? All right, if it's LaSoya who's in there, like he may be your backup center when it's all said and done, too. If, if, but let's say he's the other starting guard, right? Well, LaSoya is a senior, but a redshirt senior. So if he's your fifth one, then you've got grad senior, grad senior, grad senior, redshirt senior, senior. Like, <clears throat> Albert Reese is a young one in your first seven or eight, okay, but has played a bunch for you already, and he's listed as a redshirt sophomore. Big old strong wrestler who's a good athlete, just needs more experience. It's hard to break through when you got all those old guys in front of you. But has played a bunch of football for you, six, seven, three hundred twenty pounds. Uh, Percy Lewis going into his senior year came to you from, you know, JUCO, highly thought of. He's in the mix in depth and getting snaps. Senior, okay. So now we're at if you just put that group, now we're at seven guys, and six of the seven are seniors in your first seven. And see, that's you know, again, whether it's you know Boone who is who solidifies himself in camp as a backup. Okay, he's a sophomore, Richard sophomore, like um, like Reese. Whether it's somebody that's new, a Leon Bell who you sign, who comes in, he's a junior out of JUCO, who's like big, long athlete, six foot eight, three hundred some. Again, he's a junior. But I guess what I'm saying is, all the known quantities, if those guys stay healthy, you couldn't really be more veteran up there. That's my point. That's got to account for something, and I believe that it does. All right. This is from earlier in the show. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. And I think there are probably people listening now at this point later in the show who didn't hear it in the early part of the show. So I'm going to give this to you now. Uh, Rick Cleveland, Hall of Fame sports writer in the state of Mississippi, has a new book out. It's called The Mississippi Football Book. The promotion of that really begins now and this weekend. Pretty soon it will be available for everyone. In talking to him about it, he told a story that I want to share with you about when he was 17 years old and he ran into Bear Bryant. Listen to Rick tell this story. A member of the audience at the football banquet for Tupelo High School had a question for you, and I think the way he worded the question was, who's the most intriguing or interesting, interesting coach. Uh, coach you'd ever covered? And that I could see the wheels turning as you were getting ready to answer it. Tell our listeners kind of how you answered that question. Well, Matt, when I was 17 years old, I was working for the Hattiesburg American and covering Southern, and they were about to play Alabama. And uh, it was a week after Bear Bryant had unveiled the wishbone offense and gone to Southern Cal and the Los Angeles Coliseum and stunned 
the mighty Southern Cal Trojans on national TV to become the number one team in the country. And the Hattiesburg Americans sent me over there on the Tuesday before they were about to play Southern uh, to do a big piece on Bear Bryant. And so I went, headed over to Tuscaloosa for his weekly press conference on Tuesday. I had just bought myself, I had earned enough money to buy a brand new Ford Pinto, <laughs> which has to be still the worst automobile in, in automobile history. <laughs> but I got just the other side of Meridian and had a flat tire, uh, back left tire, I'll never forget it. Uh, it's 100 degrees on the asphalt and one of the love nuts wouldn't come loose. So it took me a while to change the tire. I got you know, I've sweated through my clothes and got grease all over me, and I'm 30 minutes late getting to Bear Bryant's press conference. It's over when I get there. I go in, find the SID, who was good friends with my daddy, Charlie Thornton, who was the sports publicist at, at Alabama, and I said, Charlie, if, they, if I don't talk to Bear Bryant, they, they may fire me. And I, I didn't really think that, but 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 it sounded good at the time. He said, let me see what I can do. And he walked back down the hall, came back and said, I got great news for you. You got Bear Bryant by yourself at his desk. So he takes me back down to the office. I go in the office and there's like trophies everywhere. And his desk is as big as an end zone. And he's got his socked feet propped up on the desk. And he's got a box of ribs and he's eating his lunch. He's eating barbecue ribs. I walk in, he said, how you doing, son? And I said, I'm fine, coach. I've had a little car trouble. He said, that's what I heard. And he pushed his box of ribs over to me and said, have a rib. I said, coach, look at me. I can't, I can't eat ribs right now. And he said, well, then let's get to it. What you got? I'll just eat and, and you ask me questions. And, and Matt, I opened my mouth to ask him a question, and nothing came out. <laughs> was it nervousness, or? I choked. I just, you know, like a, missed a three-foot putt, two-foot putt, maybe a one-foot putt, maybe a gimme. <laughs> anyway, I choked, and nothing came out. And he, 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 he uh, sat there for a minute, some really pregnant pause, and lips, his lips curled, and he started, he started laughing. He said, oh, son. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it just instantly brought me back yeah. and I we had a great 30 minute interview then he said you got to go back to Hattiesburg now and I said no sir I got some time he said well come on to practice with me we the, I rode shotgun with him in his golf cart out to practice right up to the tower he took me up on his famous coaching tower and uh I watched practice with him for a while. And then I said, Coach, I do have to go. And he said, well, give me your notebook. And he wrote down the name of a guy he knew at a tire store and told him, go, go see him before you go back because you, you need a spare. And I went there and the guy said, well, this tire's just not gonna work. You know, I can't fix this tire, I'm gonna get you a new one. I said, well, how much is it gonna be? He said, if Coach Bryant sent you, it ain't going to be anything. How about that? <laughs> so Gave they put a me a new tire, put me on the road. 
<laughs> and anytime people ask me now who my favorite coach is, this is what, how many years after? This is 40 years yeah. after he's dead. My answer is Bear Bryant. How about that? Yeah. What a story. How, how did those other media members feel? Oh, those old grizzled Alabama riders who had been with him for 20 years looked up there and said, who is that? Who is that kid? That <laughs> <laughs> was on the tower covered in grease. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, it was a memory I'll never ever forget. And and every time I was ever around him after that, which he lived, he probably lived another 10, 11 years, coached another 10 or 11 years. Uh, every time I was around him, he was just as cordial as he could be. Heck of a story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, I thought y'all would enjoy that story. When we first uh, heard it in the first hour today, uh, there was a neat reaction. People said it's a really neat story. You know, Rick's kind of a treasure himself. You know, And we are, those of us, you know, I guess, whether we're of a certain age or just at a point in our life, one or the other that we can appreciate, um, someone's personal story about interaction with a character like Bear Bryant. The truth is, there aren't that many. Okay? There aren't that many. Not as many as there used to be of people who can sit you down and tell you about the time that they spent an hour and a half with Bear Bryant one-on-one. And so Rick... It's interesting how he's gone from someone whose job was to cover and write about the treasures, and now he has become one himself. All right. We're going to wrap up the week the right way next in the Bible. Questions with Terry Fant. Stick around. Whether it's about winning the game or even losing the game. You're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now. Here we go. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, Seaspire, customer inspired. High school football jamborees all across the state of Mississippi tonight. Man, I love it. There's nothing like it. And I know it's brutally hot in some places. And it ain't hot as it's going to be <laughs> in some places coming up. But uh, I'm thankful that we got some real hitting and tackling and throwing and catching and running and scoring and winning and losing is going to happen around high school football. It's so much fun. Uh, also, really thankful for you being a part of the show. If you've texted, uh, if you've called, if you all the comments on the live stream, we even got folks who are watching on the live comments thread on YouTube asking other people to give the show a thumbs up. It helps the show. And I just appreciate you all so much. And while we are doing a list of thank yous, I want to say that I'm also thankful for the people in my life who help me and answer questions and encourage me and help the show and are a friend to me and my family, like Terry Fant, the pastor at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church in Florence, and those who pray for me like Terry does, and 
Terry, you didn't know you were going to come on today, did you? And I was immediately going to tell you how thankful I am for you. You weren't ready for that, were you? <laughs> not, not at all, but hey, I'll receive it, brother, and I'm <laughs> thankful for you. The longer we live, the more we realize uh, the greatest treasures in life are people, man, people yeah. that you get to share life with. Absolutely. No question about it. People are the treasure. Okay, and, and on that note, on that note, there's a verse in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, that's, that's a pretty short sentence with one punctuation in the middle, one comma. It's not many words, but it seems to me that's a very deep and powerful statement and subject right there. Where could we start? Where do you want to start with that? So let's start with the law of Christ. All right. So to bear burdens fulfills the law of Christ. It's good for us to, de- to determine and define what is the law of Christ. And the law that he speaks of, of course, is the law of love. Uh, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love one another, Right. he said, as I have loved you. <clears throat> now, think about carrying the burdens, helping each other with burdens. First, we know... Uh, you don't have to be alive very long, Matt, to realize life's full of heavy things. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. know? Right. you know, right. and we're not we're not just talking about the squat rack. You know, sure, life's full of heavy things and situations. And so, for the believer, uh, and especially as Paul's right to the church at Galatia, there um, that we we have to we're, we God intends for us to help each other with the heavy things of life. Now, look how He ties it. He ties it to the law of Christ, uh, Christ's law of love, loving each other as He has loved us. Wouldn't we agree that he carried our burdens for mm. us? Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. No question. So then followers of Christ, we help each other by carrying burdens. Of course, not the same way, not carrying to the cross for forgiveness, but carrying in spreading out the load for the effects of heaviness. Now, if you and I are toting something, it's a whole lot easier than if I'm toting it by myself. Right. No question about it. You know what I... As you talk about that, Terry, like, I have one of these brains that, like, I love coloring books, and I don't necessarily like books without pictures. You know what I mean? So I have this very visual yes, <laughs> visual mind, a visual memory. And as you're talking, you think about a bird, and I can picture someone where, if it were a total stranger even, if I see someone with a heavy load on their back physically, and it's hard to carry... I'm immediately drawn to like want to help. I want to help with that. I ain't gonna just stand and watch somebody struggle with it. But you know what? A lot of times, if it's not something physical, I don't do a good enough job of recognizing that, and maybe even having enough compassion to recognize it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, wouldn't you agree that we as people we hide them well? A lot of times, sure. you know, we may have a burden, yes, and we hide them well. I saw a meme the other day. It showed a man <laughs> carrying a couch on one end, and on the other end of the couch, he had like a rolling office chair. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it talking about, you know, one of those people that try to do everything by themselves. Mm. And and especially us guys, you know, we think we're supposed to shoulder the weight of everything on our own, you know, rub a little dirt on it. Yep. And, and yet there are a lot of things in life you can't rub a little dirt on. Uh, the weight of the situation, cancer diagnosis, or loss of a loved one, or a child struggling with a drug addiction, or those burdens are too heavy for us to carry on our own. Yeah, we're supposed to have a brother, and and the hard one of the things we have to learn, Matt, is 
is being able to say it, you know. Yes. Not publicly. I mean, you have to get in front of a group of people. But you need a group of friends, uh, at least one, that you can, that loves the Lord, that you can say, hey, listen, man, I've got this situation. It's heavy, man. I, I, I need you to pray for me and, yeah. and help me carry this load. Right. Yeah, and, and sometimes that little bit of encouragement in that, when it's genuine, can go so far. It can be... It can mean everything in the world. Okay, and so in regards to that, you know, your own burdens. Here's a verse, uh, Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I got to admit, Terry, the first time I read that uh, earlier this morning, I kind of got stuck on the word never. In that second part mm. of the verse. Now you don't. You can take it wherever you want. What jumps out at you? But when I saw he shall never permit the righteous to be moved, I thought, wait a minute, really, really never. So, so help me out with that verse. <clears throat> so again, talk, going the casting part. Yeah. Um, that that's a releasing, right? It's a it's a taking off and putting and casting it onto somebody else. And again, it goes from when we think of the aspect of trying harder to shoulder the weight on my own. I'm going to be moved. I'm going to be moved from a place of peace to a place of anxiety and fear and worry and depression. But if I will truly cast it on the Lord, in other words, if I'll trust him with the outcome, yeah. if I'll say, Lord, here's the way to this thing, and then not pick it, and then not pick it back up again, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Lord, would you, would you um, help me with this weight and take it off me and, and remind me I can't take care of it anyway. Mm. I can't settle it. I can't solve it. I can't fix it. But, you know, the hard part is trusting him with the outcome. Yeah. Trusting him with the outcome. And what about this thought, Terry? Finding joy in the meantime? That yeah. Part of it also? Yes. And part of that for me, and I'm just, and you know me, man, I'm just a simple-minded guy. I like to, I have to remind myself sometimes in the midst of the burden of life. I, I, I look myself in the mirror sometimes and I say this out loud. Hey, big boy, you're saved. <laughs> you're saved. Yeah. <laughs> and that uh, that helps the burden of whatever circumstance or situation I'm facing because ultimately I'm his and he's mine. And mm -hmm. I'm going home. It's gonna be everything's gonna be perfect. But for a little while I don't have to be overwhelmed by this burden yeah. if I give it to him. Isn't that great? Well and and uh and you know another thing that jumped out at me, okay, so that verse in Psalm fifty five where it says, mm -hmm. uh, cast your burns on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Okay, so I thought, Terry, man, I can't even really wrap my head around the meaning, the significance of this book, this Bible that I believe to be true is saying that God himself that created everything will actually sustain me, little old me. Wow. Okay. Wow. And then there was a verse in John chapter 12 where Jesus is speaking. He said, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will also honor i thought now i can't imagine I, I almost have a hard time grasping it that that god the god would either sustain me or let alone honor me but that's what it's saying right there isn't that isn't that just it's almost mind-blowing yes and and consider <clears throat> tying that back uh serving jesus means following jesus and what was, if we, if we go and tie that back to the original Galatians 6, uh, 2, I believe it was, where we started, 
Right. If I'm serving Jesus, I'm going to follow him. Well, if I'm following his example, what did he do? He carried my burdens for me. Uh-huh. So I'm going to help others carry burdens, right? I'm going to right. be there. I'm going to think of others ahead of myself. And here's what he says. If I serve Christ by serving you, if I serve Christ by helping carry the burdens of my brothers and sisters, then what God's going to do in return of that is honor my life. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. Right. And, and and now you're talking about a purpose that's actually worth living for, other than just our own purpose. Yes, sir. Taking up space. Yes, sir. And, and think of the people that, that, that when you and I would just ask God to open our eyes to see those that are struggling, we're honest enough to talk to each other when we are struggling, how many people will keep from quitting, throwing their hands up, making a poor decision, yeah. giving up, you know, following through a divorce, all of those things. Yeah. No question about it. Hey, um, Remind me about remind our listeners about your podcast, Terry, where they can get it. Yes, they can find it almost anywhere that you find podcasts, and the name of it, Matt, is Truth for Today with Terry Fan. And I, Virgin Words are there, so great. Truth for Today with Terry Fan, and Terry is the pastor at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church in Florence. Terry, it's always a pleasure, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Matt, the Lord bless you, and it's almost kickoff time. Woo! Put the ball down. <laughs> Thank you. Talk soon. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Terry was known to put on the chin strap, shoulder pads, and do a little blocking and tackling back in the day also. But the Lord had a much bigger plan for his life, like most of us, like all of us, in fact. Have a great weekend for Beaver. I'm Matt. Out. See you all next week. See you.